Okay, let's open our Bibles, please. I'm excited about uh, these truths that the Lord has for us. So let's honor his word. Let's open his word. And we're in Psalm chapter 100. Psalm chapter 100. This will be the last uh, evening on developing a grateful heart. Someone looked at the font on the answer sheet and they said, Pastor, did you write this? No, it's actually a font we took and put on the prayer page, but it does look like my in uh, unintelligible writing in tongues, and that's what it looks like. I'm looking, I said, that is terrible, and it's, and it's a font. And so uh, there it is, developing a, a grateful heart. And notice down, please, in Psalms 100 and verse 4, notice what he says, as we want to get close to the Lord, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So if you want to go into the doors of God's house, he says, come inside as you're thanking me. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving. Then I want us to turn over to Psalm 107. It's not in the notes there, but Psalm 107 and verse 1. And this is actually a scripture song, but this, this statement is used several times throughout Psalms. And notice what David says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And this is a, a, a commandment. How come? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That's a, that's a great psalm. And then we're not going to skip. I know we read some of it last week. 116, if you will. 116. And uh, we made the statement last week, when we realize all God has done for us and given us, our heart will begin to be grateful when we realize all he's done for us and given us, we will become grateful. I was thinking just about his beautiful creation in our five senses. We can see it. We can smell it. We can taste it. We can touch it. And we can hear it. Isn't that amazing? And that's just God's creation. We've got a lot to be thankful for. And so notice what he says in Psalm 116, verse, one, uh, uh, verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? David asks himself this question. What should I give to the Lord? Here's what he says. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my response. I'll take the cup of salvation. I'm going to get saved. Second, I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to spend time talking to God. Fourteen, I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Rest of 14, I'll be in the presence of his people. I'll be at church. Verse 16, truly I am thy servant. I will serve the Lord. Verse 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I'll be a thankful person. That's what he's saying. So let's have a prayer and then we'll uh, look at these passages and I think they'll be a blessing to you. Father, bless now this time. Thank you for these who are faithful those who are listening online, I know of several who are ill. I know Brother Schulte's listening online, and, and uh, I could name a half a dozen others right now. I pray that you would bless now and give us something. We're not here to fill time. We're not here to, to just, uh, 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 well, anyway, you know why we're here. Help us. Amen. Okay, let's look down here. Those who were thankful just want to cover some people uh, in Scripture where, where uh, 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 Scripture cries out, they said thank you. And I want to say this by way of introduction to these people. Your circumstances have nothing to do with your gratefulness. Amen. 
someone says, well, if I just uh, I had a new job, I would be grateful. Or if I just owned this, I would, no, no, no. If we're not grateful for what we do have, we're not going to be grateful for what we wish we had. Uh, if we're not grateful for what he's done, why would we be grateful for what we want him to do? And so here we are, those that were grateful, truly uh, these were grateful. Look in Luke chapter 17, if you will, for a moment. Luke 17, and we're just going to look at several of these passages. And uh, Brother Allen, make sure people, uh, everyone that just came in maybe uh, has one of the answer sheets and, and that sort of thing. Luke 17, and I note some of this is old hat and hopefully a new angle to some of this. This is where Jesus has the ten lepers. They're, they're dying of leprosy. They come to him. They cry for mercy, you know, the story. In verse number 13, they lift up their voices, uh, Luke 17, 13, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They knew who he was. Verse 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. Now, what in the world did that mean? Well, in the book of Leviticus, the priests were much like doctors at that time. They did not want diseases spreading through the nation of Israel, especially leprosy, no cure. So when a person was thought to have leprosy, uh, there would be white hair growing. Some of us have leprosy in this room. Uh, but, but maybe white hair would be growing up uh, on their skin and, and white sores. Uh, they, they would have to go to the priest. He would examine them much like a doctor put them in quarantine for several days. After several days, he would examine them. Then he would say, no, it's just a sore. No, it's just a scab. Or he'd say, you got leprosy. And then they'd move them outside the camp. They wouldn't let them mix in with the other people. They were very careful. It's a, a, a leprosy is a type of sin. And so if, if they were cured, they had to be set free by the priest. He had to say, you don't have it, you're free to go. So Jesus, when he said, uh, uh, go show yourselves to the priests, here's, they had asked him to heal them. So when they turned to head to the priests to verify they were healed, that's when they were healed. That was their faith. He said, go show you. Well, why would we show ourselves? We already went to him once and he said, we have, I have leprosy. No, so when they turned, that was an act of faith. They were all healed. And then notice what Jesus said. It came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, and one of them, one out of 10. If you want to be in the minority, be a grateful person. You'll always stand out. Most people are not thankful. Uh, it does not come natural. Little children naturally are not thankful. Uh, that's why you parents with young kids, you have to train your kids constantly. And you said what? And you just finished a meal. And what before you leave the table? And, and what do you need to say to mom? Or what? Uh, my dad often would say, what do you say to mom? Thank you for the meal. Thank you for the meal. That's, that's, that's training. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him what? Thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Who were the Samaritans? we'll say, a half-breed. They were those that the Jews did not associate it with. You could say they were prejudiced against. If you've ever lived somewhere in a community where you were the minority 
or you ever went to a foreign country and you were kind of looked at like, what are you doing here? That's how the Samaritans felt. It is said, a religious Jew, if a Samaritan shadow ever crossed his shadow, he would go home and take a bath. That's pretty prejudice. Man, that's pretty messed up. So here's a Samaritan. Guess who was thankful? He was. Here's someone who had been looked down on, mistreated. He was thankful. His conditions had nothing to do with his gratitude. It's always a part of the heart. Who was thankful? In your notes, the Samaritan. Who else was thankful in Matthew chapter 15? Let's look at someone else, please. Matthew 15 and verse number 36. Uh, Jesus is about to feed 5,000. A little boy, a little lad, gives Jesus his lunch. Uh, Matthew 15, 36. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks. Different story, but uh, he's still feeding everyone. Look, he took the f- loaves and fishes and gave thanks. So here's Jesus about to feed a multitude, and all he's given is a small lunch. And guess what? He was thankful. What's the lesson for us? If we're not thankful for the little things, why should God give us the big things? Need to be thankful for the little things that God does. Oh, a rainbow. Wow, my father did. Oh, the rain, isn't it? If we're not thankful for those little things, Oh, a parking spot. It's Christmas shopping. There's a parking spot. It's a mile away, but it's a parking spot. And so there it is. Someone said, I was reading in Clint Cavanagh's book the other night. He said, only in America can people the day after Thanksgiving push, shove, curse people, threaten people in stores after they have been thankful all day the day before. He said, only in America. And so Jesus was thankful for the little. Thankful for the little. Then, let's look over in Genesis. This may kind of shock you a little bit. In Genesis 14, who else was thankful? And I'll give you the background so we don't read the entire story. It was Abraham who rescued his backslidden nephew named Lot. Lot had moved into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Enemy kings attacked Sodom. So Uncle Abraham came to rescue his nephew, and he rescued the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah too. Wicked kings. And notice what it says. Genesis 14 and verse 21. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. He said, Abraham, just uh, give me all the people and you can keep all the stuff. We are thankful that you saved us. Heathen kings were thankful. You know, I would hate to think a heathen king that doesn't even believe in God would be more thankful than me. It ought to be a lifestyle, this thing of thankfulness. Then here's another one, Daniel, in chapter number six. Just want you to see it. And you've heard it, but Daniel chapter 6, Pastor, you're wearing our fingers out. We're, we're so tired. This, I mean, we're going through the tribulation or something. But Daniel, here it is, Daniel 6. I want you to see this for a second. Daniel 6 and looking down in verse number 10. Now, of course, Daniel was a captive. Uh, he is, he, he's, he's not free. Someone owns him. He doesn't even have his own freedom. Doesn't live in a country that's free. 
So here we are, Daniel 6. Look at the Bible. Look at the Bible. Here it is. And looking down in verse number 10. And it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and this is three times a day, and gave thanks before his God. Daniel 6.10. He was thankful and he was a captive, or you could say a slave. Wow. What examples to us. Give you two more and we're almost out of time. Look at uh, Genesis 8, if you would. Genesis 8, we see these thankful people and uh, had nothing to do with their circumstances. Genesis 8, and here's Noah. He works for 100 years on an ark, and then he is a year on the ark with the animals, with the smells, with his wife. He couldn't even take his wife out for a year. Can you imagine? Will you take me out? He says, you really want me to put you outside? And so Genesis 8, 20, and Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Soon as he got off of the ark, guess what he did? He gave a thanks offering. It was thank you. So how's this applied to us? We ought to be thankful when a storm in our life ends. When God gets us through something. You know, I don't know how you pray and everything you pray about. Some things I thank the Lord for daily. And I try not to let it just be a list or a ritual. But I'm still thanking the Lord that our city didn't burn up from the fire. Every day. Every day. Thank you our house didn't burn, Lord. Thank you you spared our church building during the fire several years ago sometimes we just you know it's it's a one-time thank you and then we just move on i am still grateful and then let's look over in philippians chapter one philippians chapter one we see another person who was thankful and that's the apostle paul and that's one of the words you could google it and just look through the epistles and you'll find that word thanks many many times Philippians chapter 1, all throughout his uh, uh, writings. And I thank God upon every remembrance of you. I thank the Lord for you. Much thanks. Philippians 1, 3. And where is he right now? Philippians. Where would Paul be logistically? He's in jail. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. And notice what he says. Philippians 1, 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He said, I am just so thankful. Heard about a little boy. He lived in a ghetto neighborhood. Their window was busted. And so at night, that strong gale force winter wind blew in. And when it snowed, sometimes the snow would be blown into his bedroom. And they didn't have any blankets. But they had some boards they had found. Just some pieces of boards, like fencing boards. And his mother brought him in the house and covered her son with these boards at night. And he looked at her one night and said, Mom, what do the poor people do who don't have boards to cover up with? Isn't that amazing? There's always something 
to be thankful for. You say, Pastor, I'm bored. I'm going to hit you with a board. And, and uh, so, so Paul was, was grateful, and he was in jail. And then let me give you one more under this list. In Psalms, you say, well, that's the last one. No, we're adding one. But Psalms 119, Psalms 119, we're not going to go through all that uh, David had been through personally in his marriage with his children, with his kingdom, with his friends, with his leaders. But Psalm 119 and verse 62, I like this one a lot. He says, Psalms 119, verse 62, At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. David says, I'm so thankful I can't even sleep at night. He said, I get up at midnight and just get alone and just say, thank you, Lord. What a grateful person. And you look at David's life. He wasn't thankful because he had no problems. He was thankful through those problems. Someone said this in the notes, if you want to jot this down. Spend your lifetime getting even with those who have helped you, not those who have hurt you. Get even with those who've helped you. That's the Lord and that's others, not those who have hurt you. And then here's the key word, express it. Express it. Now the Bible doesn't say about those 10 lepers that got healed, but I'm just supposing if I said, Lord, have mercy on me, and he says, show yourself to the priest, and I turned around and ran and saw the priest, even if I never ran back to Jesus and gave him thanks, I think I'd still be grateful that he healed me. But only one expressed it. That's the key. Ten got healed, but only one said anything about it. And some of us are more expressful, if that's a word, more uh, we express gratitude more often than others. It ought to just be a habit all the time. Those words, thank you, ought to just uh, come from our lips, come from our heart, come from our actions, express it. How do we express it? Want to give us some illustrations? Number one, verbally. Verbally. There's a lot of ways to say it. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a million. Many thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm so grateful. Uh, you can word it a lot of different ways, but we ought to express it verbally. Someone lets you up in traffic, I always wave or thank you. You know, I mouth the word, thank you. Uh, I let up a, a lady the other day and she kind of waved like, you know, it just ought to come naturally. Naturally. Uh, we ought to express our thanks financially. Financially to the Lord, to others. And then by our life, um, you say, well, pastor, what are we supposed to be thankful for? Here's one I don't know if we talk much about, what he got you through. Sometimes we say thanks for what has been given to us, physical things. But how about what he got you through? Was it a health issue? I think of the funks. I still remember the phone call. The whole mountain's on fire. Pray we make it down the hill. A tree has fallen across the road. I still remember that. I am grateful and thankful that God got them through that. Every day, about halfway through my prayer time, I'll say, Lord, and did I tell you yet 
I am grateful for the miracle of you bringing my wife home alive from the hospital. It's a miracle. I will never forget it a million times over. Thank you. I'm not going to miss that one every day the rest of my life. I'm just not. You don't beg God for things and then never say thanks. Or it's just one thank you after that. And so sometimes it needs to just be our whole life what God got us through. Take a moment. No long speeches. Maybe it's a surgery. Maybe it was grief. Maybe it's a car wreck. Maybe it was tough time financially. Maybe it was a habit. You don't have to uh, uh, go in detail. Anybody in this section over here, something God got me through and I'm thankful. Anybody over here? Okay, Miss Fowler. Okay, loss of her first baby. I heard that story at the house for the first time. And then when her husband Jerry was in ICU. Okay, um, Jessica. Cancer. Anybody else? This section here? You don't have to. Candy? Her dad's many hospitalizations, and it's been a lot in recent years. How about the middle section? Anybody? Charlene? Going through a dog bite. And, you know, it just started. Hey, pray for Charlene. She got bit by a dog, but it got bad. And it, it, it wound vac. Had to be at home. Missed all this church. Uh, sometimes when we announce a trial, we hear about it, pray about it once. Then it's over. But it's still going on for them. Still going on for them. And he did get you through it, didn't he? By the way, not to it. She didn't quit. She didn't say, how come you let a dog? I had a dog I thought was going to bite me today. And I, and I was just opening my mouth saying, I got big teeth too. And uh, then, he, then he went back in. I think it was a wiener dog or something. He had Oscar Mayer on him. I don't know. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anybody else here? Okay, Brother Steve. Through his stroke. And I was telling Brother Steve the other day, I said, so here's Reno Likens. My good friend had a stroke. He still can't move his arm. He's still not traveling and preaching. Here's Doug Fisher. We spoke together many times. I texted him the other day. He texted me back, but he's not back preaching. Brother Steve's just about all the way back. I mean, when he first came back, I'm not being critical. Sometimes you'd kind of talk and say, I don't know what he's talking about. Man, his mind is clear now. I mean, he is, he is there. And so, thank God, God got you through that, Brother Steve. Anybody else in the middle? Okay, yes, Velma. Your heart attack. I remember that. <laughs> you better remember it or you had a stroke. And uh, I'll tell you what. And I'm up there at the hospital with Velma. She said, I'm going to be fine, Pastor. They're going to split me open and do this open heart surgery. And, and uh, oh, terrible. And sometimes you just wonder. And then you look back and it's been a year. And it's been two years. And it's been three years. Anybody in this section? Thankful for what the Lord got you through. Uh, Natalie? Her and her husband having COVID. How many folks had it here? Had it here? I mean, not in this building, but um, uh, you had it. How many of you think you had it, but you wouldn't admit it? You were a closet COVID person. <laughs> How many of you had it? You just were too stubborn to test yourself because you don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for giving it to me. And uh, good. Okay. Anybody else in the section? Okay. Uh, Brother TC. Loss of his wife. It's been two years. Two years since Donita went to heaven. Two years. And, you know, what's interesting about that, we're not talking all about grief, 
But sometimes you'll see someone sing a special in church and someone's just crying. And you'll look and say, man, it was good, but it wasn't that good. Or maybe the pastor's preaching on something and someone's just weeping or has to stand up and leave. You know what it did? It hit a nerve and that's probably an anniversary. Probably it was so many years ago that day their loved one went to heaven. And in a church our size, every Sunday someone's having an anniversary of grief. Someone they lost, a relationship, loved one. It's tough. Okay? Yes, ma'am? Arden? And that's something, survived a stroke a year ago and cancer twice. She walked up to me before the service tonight and sang, what did she sing? Happy birthday? It's not even my birthday. What was it? Yeah, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I, I knew it was something. You were singing something. And uh, I, said, I said, I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> so, all right, Lisa? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Bringing him home and cancer and remission. Boy, he's gotten us through a lot, hasn't he? And every one of you could write a book on here's some things he got me through. Got me through this. My parents divorced, a heart, a, a loss of a, a loss of this, and maybe an addiction and, and a broken heart here, and maybe a sour marriage and, and this, and almost died, almost killed in a car. Just all of us could go through and write a book on that. We have a lot to thank him for, don't we? A lot to thank him for. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, we want to be in the habit of expressing it. In the notes here, it says letter to Russell Anderson. Some of you don't even know who that is. Uh, there was a millionaire that helped start the college I went to in Indiana. His name was Russell Anderson. He was, I don't think he ever graduated from high school. Uh, he was a coal miner. He invested in real estate and drywall, and then 18-wheelers trucking, and made a bunch of money. He gave away $25 million. And I remember when he flew here to speak at our church, I said, uh, so how much you have left? He said, I gave it all away. I said, you can get on the plane now. And uh, I said, why do you think we flew you here? <laughs> no, 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 that's not what we did. But I remember he had started my college. And I remember I stacked up all the books that the Lord had led me to write, put them in a box, and I said, Dear Brother Anderson, you don't know who I am. I think I shook your hand once. Here's just some books. Just want to be a blessing to you. Thank you for starting the college. I got my education there. I met my wife there. Thank you for investing in that college. That's all I did. He calls me on the phone. He said, Wow, you've been mighty busy. He said, I'm coming to your church this year. He said, I got one condition. I pay my flight. I pay my own motel. I buy all my meals. I said, you're my kind of guest speaker. And uh, he came. And he's the one that when I dropped him off at the airport in Oakland, uh, I'd been praying for some money to buy a raft. I wanted to take our family rafting. And he's the one that dropped a $100 bill on the front seat. And I said, all right, Lord, I'll go buy it. And it was Brother Snyder's raft for sale. And they ended up getting saved. Long story. But it started with a thank you. He spoke here a couple times. He played racquetball in the racquetball court because he loves to play racquetball. But I owed him a thank you. I tried to express it. I felt like I was thankful to him, but I'd never expressed it. Years ago, I came across a book. It was called... 
Can't think of the title, but it has the word rebel in it, like a rebel at heart, something like that. And it was the life story of Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, who fell off the deep end, ended up in drugs, wild party guy, drunkard, and he just, as far out in the world as he could get, started smoking when he was like seven and got around the workers working on their house and learned to cut, I mean, just all that stuff. And then he got saved. He said, I was at my dad's crusade in South America. I'd heard the gospel, seen millions of people walk the aisle, but I had never been saved. He said, in my motel room, I got saved that night. That was his life story. And he said, I repented. I broke a lot of wicked relationships. And he said, I would gladly just carry my dad's briefcase to all of his meetings now. Oh, Rebel with a Cause, that's the name of it, Autobiography of Franklin Graham. I remember reading that, and I said, this is such good material just for our church kids who who grew up in church, seeing someone that tried the world and got back right. He's the one that now runs Samaritan Purse. And so I wrote him a letter, and I said, just want you to know, I heard your daddy speak in person three times. And I have a little paragraph in one of the books I wrote about your dad. Thank you for being transparent, writing this book about your life. You've encouraged me. Here's a few books. I want to be a blessing to you. And I knew he'd probably never even get it. Ten days later, I get a letter in the mail from Franklin Graham. Thank you for the books. Can't wait to start reading them. Thank you for the cartoon. Can't wait to see it. Enclosed is my new biography about my dad's life. And I autographed it. (laughs) I said, thanks. And guess what he said? Right back. No, thank you. Thankful people are always trumping people who thank them. But I thought, there he is. He's the big shot. He's probably the most well-known name of any preacher in the world today. And he's not called Billy Graham's son. He's called Franklin Graham. He has spoken at Congress. He is... I mean, I mean he's, he's more right-wing than his dad ever was. But it started with a thank you. Years ago, I was thinking about where my life was influenced as a teenager, and it was at Pot of Gold Teen Camp. They didn't have Mount Zion Camp back then. Pot of Gold is where I got my heart right as a teenager. Pot of Gold is where I made public. I believe God's called me to preach And the man that started that camp, his name was Claude Bonham. He was assistant pastor to J. Frank Norris. So I put a dedication in a book to him, to Claude Bonham, founder of Pot of Gold Youth Camp, mailed him the book. I didn't know one day I would be speaking at his camp, and they would be making a video advertising the camp They asked me to be a part of the video. Would you tell us what happened at this camp to you? And they videoed that for the promotion. I couldn't believe it. But it started with a thank you. Every day, I believe, in my prayer time, I thank the Lord for the Kincaid moment. When the Lord let my son Stephen meet Thomas Kincaid during a low time in his life, 
I'm still thanking him for that. I'm still thanking him daily for the largest love offering I've ever received. Anybody want to guess what it is, Alan? You want to guess? I mean, I spoke somewhere and they gave me a love offering. You want to guess? hundred dollars? That's a lot. That's a lot. How much you think? Get out of here. You must have read the book or something. Okay. So here it is. Here it is. So my daughters want to get married. My wife forgot to save up for their weddings. I just assumed that's what that little hope chest was. She was going to save up for their weddings. So it comes time, and I find out I'm supposed to pay for a dress. I'm supposed to pay for money, uh, pay for money, pay for, pay for uh, food. I'm supposed to pay for a cake. I'm supposed to pay for pictures. Uh, 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 families do this for their daughters. Well, that's $5,000. I mean, it's, it's $500 for anything. You say pictures, oh, $500. That's just the estimate. Dress, $500. That's the deposit. Decoration, oh, that's $500. I mean, it's, it's $5,000 just like that. Oh, uh, five of the bridesmaids can't pay for their dress. I told them we'd pay for it. What? And so here, here's 5000 I didn't have it. Put it on a credit card. Probably not wise, but I didn't have it. And then Faith gets married, and it's $5,000. i am at $10,000, and I'm paying interest only, less than interest only payment. I can't get ahead. I can't get ahead. I just, I just can't. I laid on the floor in my office and I just, just sprawled out face down. I said, Lord, I never ask you for anything personally. I'm always trying to pray for someone else. I need $10,000. I'm in debt. It's not for me. It's to pay off this credit card. Amen. That was it. I spoke at a conference. That little love offering check in, uh, in the room. And I forget what it was. It was, it, was, it, was, it was great. I think it was $500 or something. And I said, yeah, that's great. Before I left, someone says, uh, they wanted you to have this too. I said, no, you know, they've already paid for my flight. You know, I'm doing great. No, no, no. Here's a check. Just open it later. So when you give a pastor a check and say open it later, pastor has to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I found the closest bathroom, flipped on that light, opened that check. It was a check for $10,000. And by the way, that's not normal. That's a one-time thing. I don't know anybody who gets that. It was my heavenly father looking down saying, hey, you've been faithful. You've tithed since you were second grade. You don't ask for much. I'll pay for your daughter's weddings. That's all that was. But guess what? Every day, I'm still thanking the Lord for that moment. I haven't forgotten. That was a big thing to me. I can't give the check back, but I can be thankful. I can be. Let me give you these two. I don't even have my watch on me, so I must hasten. Do we ever thank him for maybe our eyes or our ears? Voice? There's a well-known pastor, pastored maybe 35, 40 years up in Michigan, R.B. Ouellette. First name is Rene. His last name starts with a O, Ouellette. Kind of strange French or something. He has spoken many times at Brother uh, Chapel's leadership conference. He's spoken around the country, spoke at uh, maybe camp once. R.B. Willett, well known. He's been battling cancer this year. 
So the doctor came down and said, if you're going to live, we have to remove your vocal cords. We have to remove your voice box. You'll never speak again. So this past week, he walked into the surgery room to check in into the hospital. And the girl behind the counter, he said, young lady, he said, uh, I'm checking in. Tomorrow I will not be able to speak. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Oh, you're not sure? You'll probably be the last person I ever get to tell this to out loud. Could I show you? He led that girl to Christ. He had used his voice for decades. And I think he's thankful that he did. I'll give you two more. I said, Pastor, we're already over time. My, my brother, Tommy, I've got one brother. When we were teenagers, I think he was 16, he said, uh, he said it's Mother's Day Sunday. I said, so what's that mean? And we just weren't taught the flowers, how to treat mom. You know, dad never did that. You know, oh, it's, uh, we didn't celebrate birthdays. Uh, I had a third grade birthday party, a surprise party when I was 15. Uh, we just didn't do a cake or birthday every year for every, uh, we just never did that. You know, we never made a cake for mom, never made a cake for dad. We never did anything like that. We never even brought Christmas presents for mom and dad. We weren't trained we should have been. Mom and dad said, Christmas is all about you and your brother. That's, uh, don't buy any presents. But we should have been taught. So my brother came to me. He said, uh, tomorrow's Mother's Day. How about you and me go in halves and buy a dozen roses for mom? I said, okay, I could do that. I have some money. And I remember when my brother said, come here. And handed my mom those roses. The tears started coming down her cheeks. And she said, I have never been given roses in my whole life. But she got them from her two sons. Texted my brother a while back and I said, hey, Tommy, do you remember this memory? You're the one that came up with the idea. Great job. I'm glad we did that. Mom's in heaven now. We don't, won't get to hand her flowers anymore. And I was glad for that. We were showing gratitude. I give you this one and then we're out of time. When, when I was in Louisiana many years ago, we were there for a visit with my parents and a, quote, semi-vacation, two or three days doing things. And so I had a Sunday that Dan Carr called, and he said, he said could you speak here on a Sunday? And I said, man, it would be an honor. He said, what we'll do, we'll have a big meal afterwards, and we'll invite some, some people, and, and uh, you'll speak in the morning and in the evening. And so I remembered the pastor that started Central Baptist Church, where our family was reached. His name was Billy Reed. He pastored 12 years, got real discouraged, then moved to Gulfport, Mississippi, to manage some retirement homes. He said, I'm out of the ministry, not going to preach anymore, I'll just, I'll just work. And I hadn't seen him since I was seventh grade. And now I'm a pastor. And they knew my brother Tommy real well. So somehow I dug up his number, found his number in Gulfport, and I said, Brother Reed, this is Mike Ray. You probably don't 
know the name. I'm Tommy's brother. He said, I remember you guys. I said, you led my dad to Christ. He said, I remember your family. I said, I've been asked to speak in Gulfport, and I just want to invite you. I don't know what you guys are doing now. I don't know what your health is. wondering if you and your wife can just come. Love to see you. We're going to have a meal after church. He said, I'll see if we can make it. So lo and behold, it's 11 o'clock, and in walks Billy Reed. I'd spot him anywhere. Now he's in his late 70s, maybe early 80s. He, he walks in with his wife. His wife always sang Verla. And they came in. We hugged him, and my mom and dad drove up. My dad hugs them. And so the choir's singing, and my dad scribbles a little note. If you think my handwriting's bad, he's the one that taught me how to write in one day. In one day. None of this one letter per day, and you know, like in school. I mean, in one day, the whole, the whole thing. And so he wrote Brother Reed a note. He just scribbled a little note. And passed it. You know, you're not supposed to pass notes in church, but no one taught my dad. And he passed it down to Brother Reed before I got up to speak. And it said this, if it weren't for you, I'd be in hell. And when Billy Reed read that note, he just began to weep. Because when he left Baton Rouge, he kind of felt like, well, I got a church started and that's all that happened. And then I got to tell him, I said, Brother Reed, you don't know this. But that church you started produced a Keith Gomez. He's got a big church up in Elgin. He started a Bible college. It produced a Glenn McMorris who's pastoring in Mayo, Michigan. It produced this missionary and this missionary and a Cecil Ballard who's a pastor. And, and, and I went on and on and on and on. He said, I never knew. Sometimes a thank you encourages people. It encourages people. Here's the rest of the notes. Thank him for what he's done, doing, will do. Then the last blank, life should be one big thank you to him and to others. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for what you've done in our hearts.